0: going dive into the Word of God tonight. If you have um, your Bibles, you can just go to Romans chapter 12, and um, it's where we're going to be in and out of uh, throughout this message tonight. And um, we'll talk to us for um, a little bit about counterculture, right. counterculture. And um, Paul in writing this book to the church in Rome. Um, well, let me start with this. You know, so you know, I've been living for God since 1997, age 17. And I remember when I first got in church, um, my pastor at the time up north um, had me in a beginning class and helping me to learn what it meant to be apostolic, what it meant to be to, to live for God. And this was one of the chapters that Early on in memorizing Scripture and putting the Word of God in my heart, uh, this chapter here was a guidance to me on what it means to be apostolic, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, and and what the Lord expects out of all of us. If you know some breakdown of how the Scripture is in the New Testament, uh, of course, you have the four Gospels tell us about the life of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, the book of Acts is the history book of, of the Apostolic Church, and then you have the epistles, which, um, you know, if the uh, book of Acts tell us, tells us how to be saved, it's the epistles that teach us how to stay saved, and as has often been said. so. Uh, but here in Romans chapter 12, there's this great instruction, and we're just going to take our time tonight, if that's okay with you, um, and just go through these different verses throughout this chapter. There's only 21 verses, and... Um, and just talked to us a little bit about counterculture, because um, it's what Paul was trying to teach them, as we'll see here really quickly. And I'm going to be reading for the New Living Translation, so uh, if you have um, you know, electronic device that has different versions, that's what I'm going to be, that's going to be the one that's going to be on the screen whenever we're, we're back in, um, in Romans, being King James Version, a couple of other ones throughout it tonight, but... Uh, for Romans chapter 12 will be a New Living Translation uh, throughout uh, this message. So Paul says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Hear the, the plea in Paul's voice to him, how important. This is to him. you know. King James Version says, I beseech you. He is pushing this on them, saying that this, this, you, you, you've got to understand the importance of letting your body be a living sacrifice, living and holy, something that he is going to accept. This is what God is asking of all of us. And I know for many of us here in this room tonight, this may be uh, an old chapter, something you've gone through time and time again, but. I will tell us that this process that Paul leads us in Romans chapter 12 is not a one-time thing. The sacrifices that they made in the Old Testament, they didn't make one sacrifice in their lifetime, and that was the only sacrifice they had to make. It was a continual thing in their life. So just like in the Old Testament, the sacrifices that they made under the laws of Moses had to be on a regular basis. This sacrifice that Paul is talking about, this living and holy sacrifice, that is acceptable to God, it must also be made on a regular basis. Amen. That. So, verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't copy. The behavior and customs of this world it is the commandment from Paul, commandment from God. The, the, the scripture teaching us that if you want to know about what it means to live for God, you can get some, some, some guidance by looking at what the world is doing and saying, mm, I'm not going to do that. Right? You know, so sometimes as we try to figure out, you know, what does God want from us? You know, we struggle sometimes. What does God need me to do? All right, this is a daily struggle, right? And how many of you struggle sometimes in trying to figure out what does God actually want from me? Right, it should be all of us, right? We all struggle with this sometimes, right? Because we have our human flesh. All right, so because of that, we have to ask this question, what does God want from us? And, and Paul tells us a really simple rule of, well, just don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And now that's easier said than done. Because our human nature does wanna copy the customs of this world. Left to our own devices, that's exactly what we would do. Why does the whole world act this way? Because that's what their flesh does. Their flesh, the birds of a feather flock together, right? And so in our own devices, left to our own ways, this phrase from Paul, about not copying the behaviors and the customs of this world, it's just not possible in our own humanity. We cannot do this on our own. Right? If, 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 if we could just look at sin and go, I'm not going to do that anymore, then we wouldn't need the Holy Ghost. We wouldn't need prayer. We wouldn't need fasting. We wouldn't need preaching. Right? But Paul knows this. That's why this next verse, he gives them guidance on how to, or the next part of this verse, gives them guidance on how to, to accomplish this. By letting God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It is only God that can change the way that we our minds truly work. You know, in our own humanity, our yes, our minds can grow, we can learn new things. I'm all for education. Um, I I love to learn, I love to dive into things. I, I like to, I'm a button pusher, you know. That's why I like working on the sound stuff, because I can push things and see what it does, and then I can try to fix it when I break it and all that kind of fun stuff. And um, but my own mind can only do so much. I can't transform my own human nature. It takes God to change the way that I truly think. If I'm any different now at the age of 41 than I was at the age of 17 when I got the Holy Ghost, it's only because of the Holy Ghost. If my mind is any different today than it was even just a week ago, it's only because of the Holy Ghost. God is the only one who can truly change the mind of a person and to change the way we think. We cannot do this on our own. That's why Paul told the church in Philippi, in Philippians 2 and 5, to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That is a daily prayer of mine. Something I say daily. God, let this mind be in me, which was also in Christ Jesus. Because that's the mind that I need. I don't need Brett Clark's mind. It can only accomplish so much. I need the mind of Christ in order to live like Christ, in order to be like Christ, in order to not copy the way of this world and the culture of this world. If I'm ever gonna be counterculture to the ways of this world, I have to let the mind of Christ be in me. There's a man by the name of Mike Lansing. Anybody ever heard of Mike Lansing before? No? Nobody? I wouldn't think so. I actually was going to be really shocked if somebody raised their hand. But he played Major League Baseball for nine seasons. Pretty uneventful career, good enough to be a Major League Ball player. Nine years in Major League Baseball, it's it's not bad. It's more Major League Baseball than I ever played. And so, anybody here have a longer career than nine years in Major League Baseball? Also, still no hands, okay. (laughs) But nothing remarkable about him. Mid-200s hitter, utility baseball player, which means he played a couple different positions on on a few different teams, but could hit a fastball pretty good. That's what he was always known for, you know, in his limited playing time. Obviously good enough to stick on a team, made a few dollars, played some baseball games, and um, I I I, I read an interview, and he was brought up, um, because they asked him, and in this interview, and I'm, I can't remember off the top of my head about, about why he was in the, situ- in the place for this interview, but anyway, regardless, they asked him, how did you know when it was time to retire? How did you know, at the age of 33, that it was time for you to walk away from the game of baseball? And he said, well, I remember it well, I, I went to the batter's box and, and stood there in the age of 33 in a, The pitcher was on the mound, and I was always good at hitting fastballs, he said. But the pitch came, and I saw it was a fastball. I saw the seams. I saw the spin of the ball. And I thought to myself, oh, here's my pitch. This is my fastball. Swing. Miss. Looked down in the glove. There was a fastball. I was just a hair behind it. But I thought to myself, oh, I can't catch up with this one. And the catcher looked up at me, and he saw it too. I knew I couldn't hit that fastball anymore. That catcher knew I couldn't hit that fastball anymore. Next pitch, fastball, swing, miss. Next pitch, fastball, swing, miss. And that was the last at bat I ever had in Major League Baseball. I just knew. My mind knew what to do, but I couldn't catch up to that fastball any longer. He said, you know, the funny thing is, I know way more about hitting at the age of 33 than I ever did at the age of 23. And if I could take my 33-year-old mind and put it in my 23-year-old body, I would be a Hall of Famer. (laughs) And all of us who are, you know, getting up there a little bit, you know, we can relate to that. Because he thought to himself, man, if if I knew about hitting at 23, what I know about hitting at 33, but my body couldn't keep up with it. So why is this important? Because this is what preaching does. Preaching takes the mind of Christ, which knows way more than we do about the situations that we're in, and it puts the mind of Christ in us. How can we be successful at living for God? It's not about what our mind knows now. It's about taking this mind of God. Listen, we can have the mind of Christ in our life. How do I know to handle, how am I going to handle a situation I've never faced before? How am I going to know how to overcome a situation I've never come up, up against before? How do I know that things are going to be okay when they sure don't look like they're, they're going to be okay on paper? How do I know that when I'm faced with a, a, a bill, I'm not sure how I'm going to pay, that I know I'm going to pay it? Because it's not my mind that's telling me what is going to happen next. It's a mind that's above my mind. The Bible says his ways are above my ways. His thoughts are above my thoughts. And if I can have the mind of Christ in my 41-year-old body... Then I have the same mind that guided the children of Israel through the wilderness. I have the mind of Christ that overcame all the Egyptians. I have the same mind that led them through all the, all the ups and downs. That I, I, It was the same mind that told David to pick up that rock and, and to sling it at that giant. It's not my mind that's telling me what to do. It's not my mind that's giving me direction. So just like this Mike Lance, he could say, hey, if I would congest at the age of 23... Knew, know what I know at the age of 33 that I could have been a whole lot better. This is how, even though you, maybe you've only been living for God for a little while, maybe you've only been living for God for a few months, a few years, maybe you're brain new to this, but you can still have success because it is not, it is not your own thoughts that's leading and guiding you, but it's the thoughts of Jesus Christ. That is why we have to have the renewing of the mind because I cannot rely on my own human intellect. On how to overcome things, but the mind of Christ, that renewing, so that we can know God's will, which is um, pleasing and perfect and good, all those things. So, back to Romans chapter 12, verse number three. He says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. He said there in verse 3 to don't think that you are better than you really are. I think one of the hardest things to learn how to do is how to be successful, and how to maintain success. Because with success becomes a little bit of pride, a little bit of arrogance and with that pride, and you know, that haughty spirit, that leads to a fall. Begins, you begin to think that it's your own ability that's helping you be successful in this world. You begin to think that it's your own thoughts that are getting you to where you need to be. And so Paul admonishes us in this verse to don't think that you're better than you really are. Listen, now listen, that's not an insult. It's okay. <laughs> right? Humility is a good thing to have in your life. This isn't Paul putting you down, telling you that you're a no-good dirty dog, right? It's just that you have to know where your strength comes from. You have to not think of yourself more than what you really are. You have to realize that any good gift comes from the Father above. Any success that you and I are going to have in living for God and being different from this world, it comes from God and not of our own accord. So he's told us to be honest, in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. And I found that, that wording of that in the way the New Living Translation dulls it out uh, to be interesting. Measuring yourself by the faith that God has given us. And I began to look up that word measure, and that word measure comes from the word metron, where the word that we get the word meter from. Now we often think about that, you know, the, the King James Version says that to every man, God has dealt every man the measure of faith. And we often think about the fact that we look at this as God has given us a measurement of faith. Maybe he's given us a, a cup of faith or two cups of faith or he's given us, you know, a gallon of faith, you know, or a, a barrel of faith. But the word measure there, uh, while, it, while it does mean that, it also, does, it also means it is an instrument for measuring. So while, yes, there is this measurement of faith that we have. Your God gives us that mustard seed, which, of course, is not supposed to stay the size of a mustard seed. But it, it, it's supposed to grow and flourish. And that's how, in, in this instance, faith is also that measuring stick for us. How much faith do we have? Using faith as a measuring, measurement about our walk with God. So what Paul is telling us is that we can evaluate ourselves by measuring ourselves by the faith that God has given us. So what does that mean? That means that when we are walking in God, when we are living for God, we're looking at at where we are at, I want to know how much faith am I exercising on a daily basis. Because the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. So faith becomes that measuring stick because it is without faith it is impossible to please God. So every now and then I've got to evaluate myself and say how much of what I'm doing today is based on the faith that I have in God. Is my giving based on faith? Is my worship based on faith? Is it is 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 my career choices based on faith? Faith becomes that measuring stick, faith, that, that confidence in God. How much confidence am I placing my decisions in the hands of God and not relying on my own strength? Paul said we have to evaluate ourselves by measuring how much faith we have in our life. You know, I would hope that today that the faith that I had at the age of 17 is small compared to the amount of faith that I have at the age of 41. I would hope that today that the faith that I had when I was, you know, young and single is, is a whole lot more. You know, I have a whole lot more now as a husband, as a father of kids, as a father of, of teenagers and an adult and all that kind of things. I would hope that my faith is great. That I put more trust in God. My goal is to put more and more trust in God every day. It's to rely on him more and more. That's not removing myself from this process but it's knowing on who my strength comes from. It's knowing that, that even when he tells me to do something that might seem different than how this world would, would react. You know, I'm evaluating all the time. Is this decision that I'm making, is it based on faith, or is it based on my own human intellect? Is it based on, based on the opinions of others? Is it based on how the world would react in this situation? So Paul says, "Don't think of yourself better than you really are, but be honest in your evaluation." I, I think that we ourselves that we're the easiest person to lie to is ourselves. It's easiest, right? We're the easiest person to to, to not be honest with. We, we let ourselves cheat on things. We let ourselves we let ourselves cheat on our diet. We let ourselves cheat on our on our commitments. Oh no, I'm doing okay. Okay, I'm gonna go back and take care of that later. I'm a, you know I'm, I'm I'm going to go pray later. I'll, 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 I'll get back to the word of God later, you know. And you know, Paul is admonishing the church in Rome and, and, and us through the scripture that we have got to be honest with where we're at in our walk with God. Not because that's a, that's a put down. God's not looking to shame anybody. This isn't about shame. Shame is the emotion of sin, as you've heard often said. All right, but this is about encouraging us. This is about looking at where we're at. And God's saying to you and I, I'm so excited about where you are, but I want to help you grow to be more than where, where you are. Amen. And the only way that we can do that is by being honest in our, in our evaluations. Uh, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 25, um, in the Living Bible, it says it like this just as it is harmful to eat too much honey. I hate this verse. <laughs> just saying. Sorry, God. Don't strike me down. Just saying. Uh, at least it doesn't say it just as harmful to eat too much bacon. That would be even worse. So it's also bad for men to think about all their honors they deserve. What, what great advice. It's just sometimes, some things are, it's just, it's not good if you have too much of it. I'm all for honoring men. We absolutely should honor each other and the accomplishments that we have. But if you're sitting around just thinking about how great you are, I had a friend in high school, he always joked that he got a word for being humble, and they took it away when he wore the pin about it. So I, 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 I've I'm been friends with that guy since we were like middle school and high school, and i probably heard him tell that joke about a thousand times, if not more. And um, uh, so anyway, so he's not watching, but if he was, he'd be at home chuckling right now at himself. But um, But... This is harmful. There's too. Sometimes we can have too much of our own selves, and this is what this is what Paul's admonished. Listen, you you, you got to be honest about where you're at, and it's okay. If you need to make some more adjustments, it's okay if you need to make some more changes, because this this is this is this is why we have to make these sacrifices. With these, every time you make a sacrifice unto God, there's there's less of you that comes back out of that, and there's more of God that comes back with you instead. That is why we make these these sacrifices. That's why Paul said that he dies daily. And that is that that faith is that measuring stick about our walk with God. Moving on to verse number six of Romans, it says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. It is your gift to encourage others. Be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. This verse is, pastors here, of Paul listing gifts, and if you have that gift, you need to use that gift. Uh, Peter echoes the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. It says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified. Not so the speaker can be glorified, not so the, you know, not so the, the, the teacher, not so that the giver, not so that the leader should be glorified, but that, so that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom we praise the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Um, Paul and Peter in these two passages of Scripture are admonishing us that when you have a gift, listen, when God brings us into this church, you've heard it taught and preached here often over the last several weeks, every one of us has a place in the body of Christ. Every one of us has a gift in the body of Christ. You have a spot in this, in this church you know, so why, how, why is this counterculture, right? Why, you know, this is what Paul is following up with after telling them, don't be like the world, but be transformed. So this is what the renewing of the mind is because the world says, oh, man, if I give them, an, if I let their, their light shine, then, then I'm not going to get the spotlight on me. The world says, I can't let this person come into my territory. Listen, I, I work in sales. People do not like you in their territory. They, they, they don't want you on their corner. They don't want you on their block. Oh, I'm not that kind of salesman, by the way. <laughs> sorry. Just to clarify, it's a figure of speech. Uh, all right, sorry. I hate when things pop in my brain I have to, and I have to say them, or else I'm up here grinning like an idiot and you guys have no idea why I'm smiling. So that's why I started smiling all of a sudden. But people don't like it when you're moving in, you know. I, I People all the time, I, you tell me, oh, man, hey, there, I, I heard that you're buying from Brett. heard you're buying from RTI and all that kind of stuff. And people get upset about it. That's how the world reacts. Listen, if you want to learn sound, my God, there's not a single sound person in this building that's going to be upset with you. But if you have a gift to help learn sound, then we're going to help get you plugged into that spot. If you, if you have a gift that to be involved in kids connection we're going to get you plugged into that spot whatever your gifting is listen there is room for your gift here there is room for you on this team the world says our team can only be so big but God said no 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 if if you have the ability to teach you better teach if you have the ability to give you better give you've got to if you have the ability to to lead then you need to do that with all your due diligence to be involved in the gifting that, that you have. Now, if you have the gift of gossip, that's a completely other type of gifting. That one we can do without. My dad told me the other day on the phone that I have the gift of gab. I think he meant it as a compliment, but I'm not sure. So there are certain giftings, though. And Paul admonishes us that whatever those giftings are, is so that you can be used in them, and sometimes it's difficult to try to figure out where do I fit in in this, where where where, where is my place, where where do I belong in this? Um, as Bishop taught last week and said last week, if you, if you continue to, to pray that prayer, tune to to let God develop your gifting, God to develop who you who you are. You know, uh, God will transform your minds, right? God will help you to be uh, the best version. Of yourself and better than you ever could ever imagine, right? But God also gave you these different giftings, and He's not taking those things away from you, you know. And so I've seen many times people who were musicians out in the world. God brought them in, saved them, helped them to get their life the way that God was supposed to be. He wasn't going to take that gifting away from them. You know, they have that talent, they have that that ability. He just wants to utilize it to bless His kingdom, and so. Don't feel like, and, and sometimes we, we, we get this, this feeling that, that when we give up who we are and let God change us, that we're giving up also this part of that we don't want to give up about ourselves. Right? But God allows us to, to take our personalities and to plug us in into God's kingdom in those right spots. Amen. And it's important that if you have those giftings, to do it gladly. He goes on to say in verse 9, don't just pretend to love others, really love them, this again, this is counterculture, this is different than how people out in the world are, hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, again, I love the way this says this, just don't pretend to love others, a lot of pretenders out there, a lot of people will tell you that, that they love you, they have your best interests at heart, man, they have none of that, the world out there does not love you the way that the church loves you. The world out there cannot care for you the way that the church can care for you. This is what we got to be, church. We've got to be a people who not just pretend that we love people. We have got to really love them. This world doesn't love people. We have got to love people. I don't care what they're going through. I don't care how dirty they are. I don't care. Where, I don't care where they're at in their lifestyle. I don't care any of that kind of stuff. I have to love people the way that God has commanded us to love people. He said, "Paul told me, don't don't just pretend to love others." This is not about manipulating people. This is about really loving them. This is hating what is wrong and hold tightly what is good. Then he tells us to love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. As I was saying earlier, the people in the world they don't like to honor each other. They feel like if you're being lifted up, that means they're being put down, and that's just not how we operate here in the church. If you again, if you're if you're new, if you're a guest or any kind of stuff, and you've been been hurt because people didn't weren't excited about you getting a promotion? or you getting a blessing? All that kind of, You've come to the right place because if if you're blessed, then I'm blessed. And if if you're having a, a good a good day, I'm having a good day. Verse eleven says, "Never be lazy." It's great advice, Brother Brian Jackson said that. something about that the other day. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. How many are enthusiastic about living for God? Thanks for a couple of little woo-hoos over there. I like it. <laughs> rejoice in our confident hope. We're confident. I have hope. I mean, this, this, the world doesn't have that. I'm talking to people today, and they're scared of everything. Worried about going here and going there. But we can rejoice in our confident hope. We can be patient we're in, tr- in, in trouble. And keep on praying. When people out in the world get in trouble, they lose their patience. But there are times I lose my patience. So you're not allowed to comment on that, children. My kids, at least. So, um, but yeah, we can be patient when we're in trouble. We got to keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. What's different out in the world is that when you're in need, people are quick to kick you down when you're down. They're quick to push you aside, when they don't feel like that they can get any more out of you, when they feel like it's run its course. The world walks away from people like that, but not the church. We don't walk away from people when they're hurting. We don't walk away from people when they're down. We're there. We are ready to help who are eager to practice hospitality. He told uh, the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We have to be patient because living for God is a journey. And there are things that are going to work, there are the things that are not going to work. There are times when you're going to order something, and it's going to come in in time, and there's time when you're going to order something, and you have to wait six months for it to get here. I right, would be patience. Right, this is a process. We were talking about this in small groups the other night, and about how um, and I, I, in our small group we're having this discussion around the uh, message from the other day and how um, the parable of the, of the, of the lost sheep, and all, really all those parables that Bishop taught on the other night. And it, it, it just kind of just dawned on me, this, the thought process. And I, and I know he, he missed a little bit about this, but it really stuck with me, so I wanted to share it here tonight. And that is, you know, we, we tend to think that um, you, he had the 99 sheep. He goes out to to, uh, to leave the 99 to find the one. And it's just like we kind of just so quickly move from that one being lost to all of a sudden being found, and we don't think about the fact about how much time passes between that one verse when the sheep is lost and that next verse when the sheep is found, and it got me thinking about other parables like that, and they're about the, um, wasn't that long ago, that I, I can't remember it was Bishop, somebody else behind this pulpit was talking about the parable of the talents, and you know, he had, uh, and it, it jumped out at me that, that it said that the master was gone for a long time. We tend to think that the one who had the five talents took out a five dollar bill that he had the five talents. It was five bucks. whatever, walked up, to somebody, hey, you have a ten dollar on you? All right, cool. Here's my five. Give me that ten. Okay, cool. And I now doubled the master's money, and it was like done in an instant. That's what we think because the the scripture kind of just goes right from in sequence, and so I, I wish I could like just zoom in on that story and just see exactly how long did it take that person with the five talents, to go from five to ten? Was it always an increase? Did he go from five to six and six to seven? Or was it more like he had five, he invested some, and next thing you know, he was down to three. And then he took that three, and he was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go invest in this, and he was, then he was down to one. He was like, uh-oh. And then he took, maybe, maybe he took one of his own talents, and he, he combined it with it, and then he did this other investment, and then all of a sudden it was back to four. Then it's, whew, okay, great. I'm almost back up to what the master gave me. So we tend to think that it, all of a sudden it just happened. Like, oh, he had five, then he was just like this you know, money magnet. He went from five to ten. But maybe it was maybe there's more to this. So we think of this, and then, it, and then we get frustrated because God's given us gifts, and we are utilizing our gifts the way that we feel like God wants us to. But, also, but, we're, but we're not seeing that doubling from five to ten, from two to four. We, and we feel like, man, maybe, maybe I'm just the guy with one talent, I'm trying, but maybe I'll always be stuck with one. Right? But, but this is why Paul is telling them that you have to be patient in trouble. That if you will just stay the course, if you'll keep doing the things that God wants you to do, right, it, 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 you're not always going to have these, this immediate rocket boost to, to the top of the mountain. Right? Because we don't learn in those moments. But when we are, I have that patience and those troubles, we can go up and down, and we can keep our footing assured in this life. And I can know that if I just keep this course, if I just keep going. Because, and we can do that because we have brothers and sisters that look at us and say, hey, keep going in this direction. You can do this. You can, we have to be an encouragement one to another. Because it's not, it doesn't always work out the way that we think it's going to. But that, that's Okay because we can keep our faith in God and keep moving in the right direction because our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Listen, I I don't care if you took the five talents that God gave you and invested them and you're all the way down just to one talent. I don't care. You keep on investing. You keep on praying. You keep on this. And I promise you, God will begin to give you increase. God will begin to, to move you back up the ladder. God will begin to see your faithfulness, and God will be faithful to you. Then, towards the back end of all of this, this, so he's telling us, be eager, practice hospitality, be kind to each other. And I, I will tell you, I mean, you know, sometimes we struggle with that in the church, but, but for the most part, I, th- I think we're good, right? At, at encouraging one another, you know, being there for for the body of Christ. That's in some ways that's pretty easy. It, it ought to be at least. I mean, you're my brothers and my sisters, right? You know, how can we how can we be mean to each other down here and think that we're going to worship God together up there? You know, so. But now, Paul saves the, the back end of this for probably where we. Potentially struggle the most, and maybe I'm just telling on, my, on myself a little bit. Verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. This is counter culture to how other people would react out in the world. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Seriously? Seriously? The guy who's persecuting me, absolutely. The one who's who who won't leave him alone at work, yes, that's who God wants you to pray for. Pray not just pray for that person, but pray that God will bless them. Pray that God will just heap a blessing upon the people that persecute you. And remember, we deal with things. I'm not I'm not not mitigating it. I'm not talking down about what we deal with. But Paul was writing this to to people in the church in Rome and they were literally being executed for what they believed. Their persecution was they were going to face death if they kept preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul looked at them and said, hey, those people who are persecuting you, the ones who killed the folks that you knew, that you grew up with, that you prayed through to the gift of the Holy Ghost with, you need to pray for them. And not just pray for them, but pray that God would bless them. Why would we pray that way? Because when God blesses somebody like that, that's how God can then begin to pull them into the truth. Because I'm not, I'm not, I don't want the person who's persecuting me to die and go to hell. It is, they might be persecuting me. They might be coming against me. They might be fighting me. But they still have a soul. And I want to see that soul come down to an altar of repentance. Not for my vengeance, but because they need to have repentance in their life. I want to see that person baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to be there when that person begins to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them utterance. I don't want to curse them. Listen, they're already cursed. I don't want to curse that person. They already brought a curse on them because they're living in sin. I want to see them come out of that. And so I'm not praying for God to curse. I want God to bless that person. That's why verse it says, "Be happy with those who are happy, and weep with those who weep." It's, and, and and we and we struggle with that those kinds of things. We want to we want to be upset about things. You know, when things were oh well, how come they're getting to do this and I'm not getting to do this? No, no, we got to be happy with those who are happy, and we have to weep with those that weep. That's not talking about, about being a, a pity party, by the way. That just means though that if you're having a rough time, rough go of it, we have a rough go sometimes, and we like we we. We're worried about going to, to and talking to the leadership about it because we're afraid that we're gonna, you know, be in trouble because they're gonna find out that I'm having a bad day. They're gonna find out that I'm not as spiritual as I think I, I that I ought to be. Listen, we're we're here to celebrate with you when when God's blessings are being poured out in your life, and we're here to be there for you when things aren't going so well. This is what the body of Christ is for. This is how we stay together. This is how we keep going in the right direction. This is how when people who are having persecution has come into this, into this they're going to say, oh, whoa, wait, I've been, I've been writing your case for months. How are you still happy? I, I've been all over you for, for years. I've been persecuting you. How, are you. how are you this happy? Because I'm a part of the body of Christ. Right. Amen. And I have people who will be there for me when I'm going through my ups and downs. Verse 16 says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Again, going all the way back to what we said earlier, don't think too highly of yourselves. Be there for people. We've got to stop judging. That's all of us, right? It's a human nature to judge and put people in categories. and They're this, they're that. He said, don't be too proud. Enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think that you know it all. A good verse. Don't think that you know it all. Remind all this us need be, I need to be reminded that this is why I have to have a daily sacrifice. This is why I gotta have God renew my mind. Because I, I I don't know what's coming. I don't know what, what's what lies ahead of me. I don't I don't know how I'm gonna handle this next situation. You know, I I I'm not sure how to get through things sometimes. In my own intellect, my own ability. I, I need God to give me guidance. And When I think that I know it all, that's usually when I get myself in trouble. When I think that I have all the answers, when I think that I can sit down on my computer and just map this out, and I can sit down and and figure this whole thing out, that that I'm going to come up with the right words that fix it, I'm going to do that, I I can fix this. That's usually when I get in trouble, when I'm trying to solve my own problems. So I, I can't think that I know it all. Verse 17 says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. We don't have to fight. We don't have to fight in these battles like this. Right? Not in the way that we think that we do. We, we fight in prayer. We war in prayer, right? We war, you know, but, but I'm, not, I'm not out there fighting people. They're not my enemy. Sinners aren't my enemy. People out in the world, they're not my enemy, right? The devil's my enemy. My own flesh is my enemy. It's what's working against me, right? That's why, I need a, that's why I need a new mind because my own flesh, my own decision is what leads me to destruction. There's not a person in this world that can take me to hell. There's not a person in this world that, that could drag me down to hell. It's just not possible. Uh, it's my own choice, my own decisions that lead me there. We, the world is not our enemy. Right, now, I'm not going to be like the world. I've come out of the world. Uh, but I'm praying that God would bless it so that those people, that, so that they could come out and experience what you and I are experiencing. Right, and if there's any revenge that needs to happen, he'll take care of that. He will handle. He will fight those battles. So that's why we can come in here. We can pray. We can, we can, we can go to war in prayer and pray against the enemy, pray against the spirits of this world. But at the same time, praying for those that are persecuting us, praying for those that are fighting against the church. Jesus told his disciples in the book of John chapter 13, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. He does a new commandment. In chapter 13, by the way, that's the same chapter that Judas betrayed him. It's the same chapter. They had just, he had just washed Judas' feet. He said, he who dips the sop with me is one who will betray me. Judas dips the sop. He tells him to go do what you're going to do. And then he says this verse right here. After he had just been betrayed, after our Savior knew that the one who was going to get him crucified had just left the room, he says, you got to have love one for another. The man just left, he was going to betray me. But guess what? You have to have love one for another. This is how the world is going to know that we are different. This is how the world is going to know that we are not like the people of this world. Not because we're better, but because we have a God who's in us, who makes us this way. My human nature would absolutely enjoy hating people. It's human nature. right? It would want to take revenge. It would want to get back at people for the things that they do. That's human nature. But the God nature that's inside of me when I have the baptism of the Holy Ghost says that I can have love one for another, and that's how all men shall know that ye are my disciples. The last portion here, verse 20, says instead, all these things, he wraps up this chapter with this. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, Feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, he shall heap burning coals of shame on their heads. The world wants to take revenge. You can you can stand. I'm gonna read verse 21 here in a second. The world wants to tell you that you can't change. The world wants to tell you that you can't be different, you can't sustain this, you can't. Keep going this way. Wants to tell you that living for God is impossible. Being righteous and holy is impossible. It's impractical. All these kinds of things. Word wants to tell you that if you have enemies, you should shun them. You should fight them. You should push back, all that kind of stuff. And by means, you know, you know, I think you know what I'm saying here tonight. But Paul said, hey, instead of all that, if your enemy is hungry... Feed them Now, he's quoting a, a chapter in verse, I think it's in Proverbs 25, something like that, if I remember correctly. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Then he tells us very plainly, verse 21, don't let evil conquer you. We live in a world that has a lot of evil in it. It's a lot of bad actions going on in the world. A lot of people who letting sin take them further than they ever thought they would go a lot of our world our world's hurting our world is struggling to say the least but don't let evil conquer you but conquer evil by doing good that's the charge on the church the charge in this in that chapter that starts off by look we got to renew our minds we got to think of things differently the only way that we're going to overcome evil is with good. And that's why I'm so glad to be part of the church, because I, we're in a good place. If you're here tonight and you haven't been here very long, you've found a good place. While the world will try to push you away, we're here to welcome you. While the world will tell you that, that you're not going to succeed, we're here to, we're here to encourage you. And yeah, even, even if you fall, we're here to pick you back up again. Because we're not going to be like the world. We are the church of the living God. And when we, when we have a renewed mind, a renewed strength, we are a strong body. We are the church tonight. Can we pray right now? And I want God to pray for a renewing of the mind, a renewing of our strength. God, in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord God, for the word of God. I thank you, Lord God, for your strength, Lord Jesus. God, my mind, Lord God, it needs to be renewed every day. God, let this mind which was in Christ Jesus, God, be also in us. God, we are not, God, we are in the world, God, but we are not of this world, Lord God. God, you have given us, Lord God, great things to be hopeful for, God. God, uh, have patience in all of our troubles and struggles. Because, God, we know, Lord God, that, Lord, you work all things together for the good. God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Clap your hands to the Lord.